I'm reading from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. If you're a dad, happy Father's Day. Not many in. And if you're not, Happy Goldilocks Sunday. Friday was too hot. Saturday was too cold. Today is just about right. But if you think that Friday was too hot, have a thought for Peter and Liz Misselbrook. They're in the south of France having a family reunion at the moment. And when I looked at the temperatures yesterday, it was something like 43 degrees. So I bet they'll be glad to get home. Anyway, we continue our series this morning in the book of 1 Peter, entitled Confidence in a complex world. And this in our second uh, week is that our subject is called Called to be Holy. Now, if you want a book to to follow this series, we have a recommendation. Uh, Tom Wright's book, Early Christian Letters, which covers a number of the um, epistles um, which are not from Paul. And if you want a copy, have a word with Paul Peterson and he'll be happy to get you one. Now, our focus this morning particularly is on chapter 1, verses 13 and 15. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hearts fully on the grace to be given to you when Christ is revealed. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. A call to action, a call to self-control, a call to holiness. So let's get cracking. How do you read those verses? Is Peter asking us for greater effort? Is he accusing us of slacking? Is he saying, try harder? We might incorrectly think so. Try harder may be a call that you have heard before sometime in your life. Is that our problem? We're just not trying hard enough. This week, I came across my old school reports. Interesting reading. You know where this is going, don't you? 
School report, St Dunstan's College, South London. Subject, English. More effort would bring better results. Arithmetic. Do you remember when it was arithmetic? <laughs> Must make a determined effort to learn the basic rules. Latin. Oh, no. He must be unswerving in his determination. He shows few signs of coming to grips with the fundamentals. <laughs> History. He must redouble his efforts to improve the standard of his work. <laughs> Chemistry. <laughs> he understands very little. <laughs> it gets better. French. He makes the most of his modest ability. Full master's comment. He must apply himself more fully to the task in hand. Headmaster's comment. Not good enough. I shall expect much greater effort next term. Ooh, ouch. Must try harder. Harsh, damning, pointed. Maybe school and I never quite gelled. But they just kept telling me to try harder, and the more they did, the less I did. And there's a temptation when we read a passage like 1 Peter to think that God is just telling us to try harder. And as a result, we switch off, close down, and lose interest. But Peter is getting us to focus not by trying harder, but by being inspired. Inspired is what the early chapters of Peter are supposed to do. Inspired by our new faith. Inspired by your living hope. Inspired by the resurrection of Jesus. Inspired by your never fading inheritance. Inspired by a faith of greater worth than gold inspired by a faith that will never perish. Don't try harder, be inspired. Now, despite my dismal bottom of the class report, there were occasions when I was top of the class, times when I was inspired, times when I didn't see school as hard work and futile, but times when it was a joy, it was fulfilling, it was purposeful, Times when I was inspired. You see, it's easy to fall for a lie. It's easy to believe that God demands us to keep all his rules, to try really, really hard. It's easy to believe that this is the only way into his good books. But it's a caricature of the Old Testament. It's a caricature of the law, and it's false. No one ever earned their way into God's good books. You don't earn your way. Grace is free. A free gift received through faith. A free gift, not one obtained by trying harder. So as we contemplate the gift of grace, we are to be inspired into action. Action that changes us. Action that changes what we do. Action that changes the way we are. The grace of God should inspire us to be holy people. Now, for the second time this month, I find I'm speaking on a passage which starts with the word, therefore. 
Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hearts fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. Therefore, therefore refers to what has gone before. So what is it? Well, to get the full picture, you'll need to listen to Aidan's last sermon last week. Ah, we miss him, don't we? But Peter says, you have received hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's your hope. That is the therefore. That's the reason. Because of the salvation we've received, because the love we have for him, because of the inexpressible and glorious joy with which we are filled. Therefore, be inspired. An inspiration that motivates, an inspiration that makes you alert, an inspiration that makes you ready for action, an inspiration that creates self-control. Inspired because in verse 19 he says, you have been bought not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus, our role model. Role models inspire. Because of Johnny Bairstow's antics at Trent Bridge on Tuesday, many a young kid will be in their back garden this weekend, cricket bat in hand, trying to hit a six over the garden fence. They want to emulate one of the great cricket innings in modern history. But sometimes we can be intimidated to believe we could never be like that. We could never be like them, but we're wrong. Charlie Chaplin once entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike competition. He came third. Two people beat the real thing, so don't despair. You can emulate. And a role model is someone you seek to emulate, not because you must, but because they inspire you. To the persecuted church, Peter's plea is to look to Jesus, to emulate him as your role model. When you look in the mirror, see Jesus reflected back. But how? Well, one way to emulate Jesus is to follow his example in resisting temptation. There is a battleground to be negotiated, a battleground of temptation. It's like a minefield in our path, an unseen hazard ready to blow us up. We know what is right, but temptation can knock us off course. You may have experienced that, or you may have seen people who are trapped in sin, You know what's right, but somehow you're unable to break the call of temptation. How do you break that cycle? Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Literally, gird up the loins of your mind. It was a common phrase in Peter's day. It meant pull up the long garments that you have on and tuck them in, ready to go to work, ready to go to battle. Make sure you're not tripped up. Be ready. In the words of John McEnroe, be serious. If we want to walk with God, 
to obey him, to emulate him, we have to be serious. And like John McEnroe, like competitive sportsmen, like the military, you know that success comes through practicing. Practice, practice, practice. Repetition embeds. It becomes second nature. And in the same way, we need muscle memory. So obeying God becomes natural. The first step to emulating Jesus, the first step in emulating Jesus, the first step in resisting temptation, Peter says, is to be self-controlled. Now, self-control is the opposite to whims and passions, but it ain't easy. Listen to Paul in Romans 7 and verse 18. For I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul is being forced to do what he doesn't want to do. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Does it sound familiar? A battle is raging for control. If we don't prevent it, sin will take over. Hence, the first call is to be alert and the second call is to self-control. But there's a danger. A danger of thinking that what we need to do is grit our teeth and get on with the job of self-control on our own. Just like my school report, just try harder. But there is another way. There's a way to be victorious in this battle, and it's not by trying harder. Okay, so what is it? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, a gift given by God as His Spirit indwells us. Part of the character of God is implanted in us. So if we live by the Spirit, self-control becomes one of our fruit. It's not self-control that gets us to the Spirit. It's the Spirit that gets us to self-control. Do you get that? It's not through self-control we get to God. It's through God we get to self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians 5, uh, verse 22. But earlier in verse 16, Paul says this, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Keep in step with the Spirit, and self-control will become a fruit of your submitted relationship with God. Be out of step with the Spirit, and temptation becomes irresistible. So we are to be inspired by the grace of God revealed in Scripture, and then we choose to live by the Spirit, which, is a, which has a byproduct in self-control. But there's a second part to verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. And here's part two. Set your hearts fully on the grace to be given you, when Christ is revealed. Set your hearts fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. 
The first part of inspiration is past grace. The second part of our inspiration is the coming grace, the hope of what's to come. Hope held out to a young church living and dying under persecution. Hope given to those who are daily picking up their cross through abuse, imprisonment, beatings, persecution. There is a hope, a hope to hang on to, a hope of what's to come. Lift up your eyes from the suffering, upwards to hope, to the grace you will receive in Christ. This isn't past grace. This isn't the grace of salvation on the cross. This is future grace. This is the grace that will transform you physically and spiritually. The grace that will transform you in the twinkling of an eye into the perfection for which you created. This is the grace to come. This is the grace to be revealed when Christ returns. This is the grace that will raise the dead in Christ first. The grace that will catch us up in the air to be forever with the Lord. So why is it important? Why do we need to have our hearts set fully on the grace to be given when Christ is revealed? It's because it's easier living in the knowledge that victory is secured. It's easier to live life of obedience, a living sacrifice life, a self-controlled life, knowing that victory is secured. Our reward is guaranteed, our destiny is secure, and our struggle with sin will be at an end. But Peter's not finished. There's still more to help us. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. It's about conforming. Not conforming to sinful passions. Instead, conforming to a new life in Christ. We conform when we spend time. Have you ever seen somebody who serves in the military or a police officer who are out of uniform and off duty? Somehow you recognize them even though they're not in uniform. You recognize them by the way they walk, by the way they stand, by the way they speak. They spend so much time in the company of others who are similar to them, that they become fashioned, conformed to their ways. Do you see what Peter is saying? The lifestyle in which you spend time is the lifestyle to which you will be conformed. So it begs the question, what is it that's shaping you? Where are you spending your time? Where are your interests focused? To what are you being conformed? Because if it's not to Christ, then the world will shape you with its values and desires. Peter warns, do not be conformed to a life that will take you away from Christ. And verse 15 tells us how we are to be shaped. Peter says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. To what are we to conform? to God himself, and in particular, to God's holiness. We are called to be holy as he is holy. 
Now, holiness has two meanings. It can, be, can mean set apart, but it can also mean purity. And that's what Peter means here. God is holy because he is pure. To be holy, we first need to put off unholiness, to rid ourselves of that which separates us from Christ, habits, actions, thoughts, words. But second, we are to put on holiness. Paul in Ephesians 4.22, you were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and then to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, taking off the old self, putting on the new self. We are now a recreation, no longer to live in the mold of sin. We are now to be fashioned in the mold of Christ. It's like the plaster of Paris hands that are on the screen this morning. The plaster of Paris hands which created these prayer hands. An original is formed, which in our case is Christ. And then plaster of Paris is poured over the original until it's completely covered, which to me speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the original is removed and you have a cast into which you pour your new element. That's us. And as we are poured in, we take the shape and the characteristics of that mold. That is yielding to the life and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It means that we become fashioned into the likeness of Jesus. This is our calling. This is our purpose. This is our destiny. It's not about trying harder. It's about yielding to the Holy Spirit so that you can be fashioned into the likeness of Jesus. Is that your desire? Is that your response to the grace you've received? Is that your response to the grace yet to come, to be fashioned into the likeness of Jesus? Peter calls us to be inspired. Inspired by the past grace of salvation on the cross. Inspired by the future grace that will transform us at Christ's return. Inspired to action. Inspired to walk by the Spirit so that we exhibit the fruit of self-control. Inspired to be molded into the likeness of Christ. That we may be holy as he is holy. Let the love and presence and person of our loving Saviour inspire you to be like him, to his glory. Amen. Should we just pray together? Father God, we come to yield our lives to you this morning. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have a great hope and an inexpressible joy. We want to be holy as you are holy. We want to be victorious over our old life and the temptations we experience. We yield our lives to your Holy Spirit. Fill us, mold us, breathe your new life into us, that we might become daily more like Jesus. 
and bring him glory by our obedience and love. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.